Yeah, I make games, and I'm your host, Mizzizizz, with co-hosts Brogan Hackett and Adam Pipe, and this week we're joined by Stuff Wombat, a.k.a. Josh. What do you do? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, damn it, I messed it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I make games. They forced me to say this. <laughs> All right, who's starting? Questions. That's it. We don't. We don't have a. We don't have an intro period where we go like, oh yeah. So today I saw a cat or something. Don't you want to be relatable? You want to talk know. about I, a cat? I don't know. I didn't see <laughs> Did a cat see today. A cat? No, sadly not. <laughs> I saw I a cat, a cat but today. it's the same cat that I see every day. So. I mean, yeah. that's still noteworthy. I think. N- none of us really have lives outside of this, so. We don't really have anything else to talk about. Okay, okay, yeah, sorry. I, I, I don't know. This is like I, I didn't get to listen to the first episode, so maybe I'm, I'm no, doing no, a completely fine. wrong thing it's here. This, this, is a, <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> okay. 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 Uh, so I guess Adam's asking the first question then. Oh, okay. All right. Um, first action. Uh, well, I already screwed up my first word. Okay, um, first question. Um, so, okay, I, I, I know about um, Josh a bit, um, and I know he makes games like super, super fast. Um, like You often do like games in an hour, which is kind of crazy to me. I can pro- probably never do that. So I guess my question to you is like, what is like your workflow? How do you do games so fast? Uh, you do it for like five years all the time and that's all you do and then you know is that the secret sauce (laughs) yeah the secret sauce is a sadness and a laptop Um, just never not be making games right no i mean it was definitely obsessive for me for some time and out of that period i've like taken uh skills Mm -hmm. um which is like probably not the best way to gain those skills because they're like very connected to a very sad time in my life yeah Mm -hmm. so that's not cool but yeah it's just the like i know my engine really well i have like shortcuts and i have like my own workflows that i just cannot describe to you because they're kind of natural Mm -hmm. it's it's this Mm -hmm. thing where yeah if you i don't know if you juggle a lot you cannot really describe how you're juggling you're just doing it and it seems kind of insane that someone would ask you like how does it work well i think i think it's probably the same for a lot of like self-taught i I presume you're self-taught right uh yeah yeah internet raised me yeah it's uh it's probably the same for a lot of self-taught game developers where they just like put a bunch of effort in to learn and like spent spent all that time just like making games and not really doing much else Hmm. Um, yeah makes sense I definitely relate to that. I, I've had like obsessive periods in the past where I'd like nothing go. My life wasn't that great. So I just like throw myself into this. Yeah. With the hopes like, that it would fix all my problems, you know. Especially when I couldn't really like afford to buy new games online or whatever. I would just be like, I don't have anything to play. So I might as well make something. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you could say your mental health is directly related to how little you work on a game. <laughs> uh, sorry, how fast I work on a game, or no, how, how, how little you're working on a game? Um, I, I again, sorry, I didn't understand. So it's, just, it's, it's like if, 
if if you have a if you're working on a game a bunch, your mental health is really bad. But if you're working on games very little, your mental health is probably a bit better. Yeah, I don't know. It's always tough to like do like like compare that directly yeah i also yeah. want to just like be clear again like if everyone here is like yeah no i got good at making games by being very sad like that's not the only way that's no. like a horrible <laughs> way is, to do that that is 100 percent not the only way and it's probably the worst way yeah it's doesn't, it's, maybe doesn't it's, mean that uh we haven't all done a bit of it but yeah <laughs> maybe it's the easiest way where you like instead of um, trying to get better, you just disappear into this fictional world of game development. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if it's actually easy either. I'd say it's a lot harder in a lot of ways. I, I mean, it's it's the easiest action you like for me. Like, okay, I cannot speak generally, but for me, it was like, yeah, okay, so I could try to understand why I'm sad, or I could just make the funny character go bleep, you know. Yeah. It's a very easy decision. Like one is very mm-hmm. short term. It's kind of like drinking or something. <laughs> mm. Another trick for making games very quickly is to put very little in them, which is something I do. <laughs> That's my answer to the question. Make very small games with very little in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. How do I make games fast? I guess during a jam. I just work 12 hours straight. <laughs> yeah. Doing like and also oh, stream it. Because if you stream it, then you feel like you have to constantly work on super big things and like mm. talk about everything you're doing, which just puts you in this super hardworking sort of flow, which yeah, is interesting. I, I would think it's yeah. like the opposite, you know, because you're constantly having to explain everything you're doing. So you're kind of slow, you know, well, I, I found... it helps to debug. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I find it helps to uh, like debug and not make bugs and stuff like that because people will call oh, it out shit. or because you're explaining it, you'll notice right away. Wait, that won't work. I find uh, like when I was recording for the four devs one art kit uh, video I did with Miz, um, I was I, re- I recorded basically everything I did for that, and I wasn't I wasn't doing commentary like, but I was just recording, making sure I had the whole workflow documented, um, and. That actually helped me a lot because I knew, even, even though I could have just like taken a bunch of breaks, I didn't because I knew I was recording and it would be a pain mm. to just like pick out the bits where I was scrolling on Twitter and pick out the bits where I wasn't. Mm-hmm. So this is the bad practice podcast. Where we have, <laughs> <basically>. <laughs> the, trick we like making, the trick to making games fast is to feel bad, make small games, and... Do uh, do it all while you feel watched. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So That's maybe like, if, uh, like every coder that worked on Cyberpunk had like ten people looking at their screens, <laughs> telling if it is all bugs, then maybe it would, wouldn't have any bugs. Well, no, that's I, the I, thing. I, I, they uh, put very little into like the AI and stuff, so they got it one, done quickly. I have one. Like I have I one saying. request. I have one request. Let's not talk about cyberpunk. I don't yeah, let's not talk about cyberpunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. It's just too easy to go for. Yeah. Um. Um, it's it's kind of like when I recorded because I think we all did the uh, four devs one art kit uh, thing with Mrs. Um hmm. It's it's funny you say you recorded yourself through the whole time. Like I cannot do that. My computer is too bad. If I like record my screen, I can't use my engine. So 
like I, I I had this idea like oh yeah I'm gonna every time I implement like a feature or something I'm gonna make a short recording and showcase that and what happened was I made one feature made one recording and then finished the game and then made another <laughs> recording <laughs> that was, I was like working on the videos like oh no yeah no I'm, I'm definitely lucky I was able to record the whole time and it was it was much more hassle editing my part together but it was yeah. cool, and I liked how it turned out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. when when I was recording, it was like the first time I was actually aware of how long I was working on something, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Normally, like, you never time it or anything. Yeah. Oh, really? I constantly time myself. Ah, really? fuck off. Sorry, forgot to turn off my phone. No. Um, I'll, 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 I'll just repeat the sentence I was starting. Yeah. What I was saying was I yeah I I constantly time myself like um like paper or Adam said before whereas like okay I'm I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna make a prototype in fifteen minutes I'm gonna make a prototype in one hour like to really have that like game jam time constraint um on myself which which helps me to like keep stuff focused mm. so it's it's like a very big part of my workflow is probably also timing myself, like seeing how long something takes mm. and comparing that to how long I think it will take and stuff. Mm. That makes sense. I, I think I, I tried this thing once where you like, you set a timer for like 15 minutes or something and then you work on something and then you take like a break for five minutes. But because you're like timing it, you're like mm. hyper aware of the fact that you have to work for 15 minutes yeah and it really did like help with like productivity i feel that's like also the, super stressful you know so that's like the pomodoro method right mm-hmm. sorry what that's like the pomodoro method yeah the pomodoro yeah um mm. i actually use uh i use something for that called forest which is like it's basically a timer where it blocks out um, old websites I get distracted by where, while I'm while I have the uh, timer running, and I do it in like sixty minute chunks, and that's actually how I like because I was I was running low on energy towards the end of that uh, four devs video, um, and so I just like forced myself to do like however many of those timers I had left on the forty eight hour time limit. Yeah. Yeah. It is nice to time yourself. Yeah. Alright, Wamba, you want to go with a question? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, let me look it up. Ba-dump, ba-dump. So should I ask one of mine, or...? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Touched the microphone. Okay, so what do you think about copyright? I think it's copy wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, snap. It's kind of a pain. If you're, like, working with assets you find online, it's always like, I don't know if this is actually open, like, uh, public domain or whatever. Like, they could have just marked it Mm. wrong. It's like, I just want to use the sound effect. Yeah. It would be really nice if, like, like Kenny, right? He just makes everything public domain. It's like, you know you can trust his stuff. And it's like, it would be nice if there was just a big, like, trusted repository instead of something like open they're, they're, like open game art that's not trusted whoops <laughs> <laughs> i mean there's definitely i found stuff on there that was definitely not the license that it said it was 
So I mm. always try to be careful. Um, yeah, I think I think copyright is fine, um, but I do think like I think it's messed up how like say in America they've just like over the last hundred years they've extended the length that copyright applies for like another fifty years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's the Mickey Mouse. A lot of that is just so Mickey Mouse doesn't get like open it into the public domain, which is kind of just like really garbage. Mm-hmm. You. Hmm? Yeah. I think yeah, uh, like, it's it's there's, pretty, there's I don't know because copyright used to be really really short. Like I think it was like twenty years after something was made and it was public domain, and it just kept getting longer and longer. And it really sucks because like. The stuff that that's getting out of copyright, like for example, this year is stuff from like nineteen twenty four or something, mm. which is like even before like actual movies are starting to happen. So there's like absolutely nothing, mm-hmm. and it's so annoying. I think, um, um, yeah, um, it, I I, I know, it's kind of annoying, but I I I like doing like games with really like obscure assets, you know doing mm-hmm. like pictures that people take because if i feel i don't know i feel like the assets are like more real or something but it's it's really annoying because like a lot of people just never mark you know if if you take like a picture of um, a lamp in your house and you put it on the internet you never think to like mark if it's open for use or whatever yeah, yeah. but um i really do like um because um a game was doing recently i really for the first time had to like actually think about oh is this copyrighted or not and um, <laughs> um <laughs> using um like wikimedia which is like the mm. image and sound repository of like wikipedia and it has so much really weird stuff in a public domain which is yeah. really cool actually yeah, yeah so I, I feel like that. a lot of the you know like open game art stuff it's like too um too made for games you know yeah so like yeah I've, in every game, hitting like something metal will sound the same, you know. My approach mm-hmm. to avoiding copyright issues when I was making uh, my game for the Dread X Collection Tree, Bubbo, was just to make everything myself and burn myself mm. out really badly. <laughs> and I <laughs> used like the o- there were only two assets I used that weren't made by me, or well, actually, there, there were two art assets and like maybe two code assets that I didn't make in the whole project. <laughs> Um, so you really were like went out and t- took pictures of like rocks and stuff. Well, it was it was like a N sixty four cartoony platformer, so I did a bunch of hand painted textures in GIMP. Mm, okay, that makes yeah. sense. Like just just imagine if like this year, all the Half Life assets were in the public domain, oh, like including oh, the sound effects and the music. Like, yeah. Holy fuck. There's so much creativity that gets killed because of this stuff. It's really mm. insane. Yeah, I think uh, I think like copyright should maximum be 30 years before it goes into the public domain. You? Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm for like five years. Like, how long <laughs> are you gonna sell? How long are you gonna sell your Harry Potter pillowcases? You know, like who, who the fuck cares? Yeah, <laughs> I think maybe it should just be like. Um, you just get like um, a letter from the government every like five years. Like, do you still really want this not to be public domain oh, or something? Oh yeah. And well, like, make, no, make the paperwork has... a lot of work, so like most people will never try to file for not public domain. Um, yeah, just <laughs> I guess. Cool. Yeah. But then you're just building a then you're just building a perfect niche for like businesses that handle copyright 
renewal or whatever, <laughs> and yeah. you you just be giving like people money to That's expand your copyright for you, and only the people who had money could do that. So all of yeah. the stuff made by poorer people would be open, uh, be a uh, public license, and all of the stuff made by rich people would be um, impossible to use. Making any government process uh, intentionally hard to do will uh, lead to me kicking in your door and like <laughs> doing something bad to your toothbrush. Maybe uh, fuck, fuck forms. Maybe instead <laughs> fuck of out a, stuff. a time thing, it should be a profit thing, where every like everything mm. gets a good run at like I don't know a million or whatever, and if something makes a million, it goes into the public domain. Oh yeah, mm. I thought it's kind of hard to judge. Cool. Because that, that stuff is like highly like dependent on production cost, right? Yeah. Like, what if it's like if it makes like five hundred percent of, you know, vehicle costs? Yeah. Then then yeah. you get just people who are gonna cheat the um, budgets of their stuff and we're gonna get even more yeah. inaccurate budget reports. Mm. Hey, maybe, I think maybe, really maybe the, the artists who work at big companies will get paid better better that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh no now we're dreaming <laughs> copyright, <laughs> copyright for five years is possible but artists at big companies minutes. being paid no it, it would be nice though to be able to like live long enough to you know see games get made with like David Bowie or something I don't know <laughs> that would be cool oh the Tupac hologram could also <laughs> become public domain damn it yes. <laughs> But yeah, I, I feel like they're just going to keep extending it so, like, the actual mark where, like, media that's still around is, you know, that that's still safe. Because, like, everything before 1930, I mean, there are, like, a bunch of classic films for sure. But, like, I feel like once you hit, like, 1940, there's, like, a lot of media that starts to, you know. But uh, I feel like they're, they're always going to extend it so it never goes beyond 1940. Yeah. yeah. I think the thing is, like, it's either going to reach a point where copyright is just infinite or mm. it's going to reach a point where it's ridiculous and like it is ridiculous already yeah well i mean <laughs> it's ridiculous already where it's like even more ridiculous and like it's clearly something that people will like take action against mm. i still think it should be just when people like the day they die just everything goes public domain um and it makes the most sense to me. I don't know. Yeah, then we could start murdering people who created things we want to <laughs> yeah, use. Yeah, that's going to create that's a good. lot of assassinations. That's, I mean, it strengthens the economy. Um, <laughs> what is this podcast? Like, uh, <laughs> people who will be in jail five years from now? <laughs> <laughs> on that note, maybe we should move on to the next question. <laughs> but I, I think we can all agree that copyright is bad and Disney should uh, explode so we can all use Mickey Mouse twerking. Hell yeah. Yes. <laughs> Mickey Mouse doing the Fortnite dance. Oh, sh oh, the possibilities are literally endless. <laughs> okay, so uh, now we're on to my question, which is, um, what is one thing that you can do while making a game that just always makes it more fun to play while you're testing? Oh, while you're testing. Well, while you're testing, or just in, in the end result. Like, just something that makes your game more fun, and it's guaranteed to do that every time you make a game with it. Yeah. I, I have an answer, but it's, uh, yeah. I'd, I'd like to hear everyone else's thoughts. 
Okay, my, my answer is just make it squishy. That, that yeah. helps. I think that's enough, to be honest. Um, maybe this is just like personal taste, but if it was just like a game that was a button and it squishes every time you press on it, that would be enough game for me. So <laughs> that, that game already exists. Uh, Jonas Tyrola made a 20 minute video. <laughs> oh, yeah. About yeah, yeah. The button. yeah. That was a good game, though. That was a pretty cool video. Um, well, I, my fun go-tos, um, have you noticed, have you ever played ping pong and like taken the paddle and just kind of tap the ball in place? Yeah. Yeah. It's like weirdly engaging, right? There's like something about it, just tapping the ball. And I think it's just part of like hand-eye coordination. If you like, you know, catch a ball, there's something like satisfying about throwing and catching a ball. And I, my mm. theory is that when we're kids, when we're first born, we have really terrible hand-eye coordination, but we kind of need it to be good for survival. So our brains reward us for doing things with hand-eye coordination, which you right. know practices that. So if you want to make a game fun, you just have to put something with like some kind of simple hand-eye coordination, you know, repetitive right. task, and your brain automatically is just wired to reward that with like dopamine or something. That's kind of like mm. my quick fun tip. Wow, that's a, that's actually a really interesting point because it's it's definitely true from what I've seen. Like the moment you add something where there's that there's that gap yeah. between what's happening and what the player has to do to keep it happening, it uh it instantly becomes like more engaging. Uh, I, I, I I disagree. Really like the oh sorry. Uh, I, 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 I mean, yeah, maybe our, we get the dopamine for like getting better at hand-eye coordination, but I think it's a much more, uh, it's a much bigger underlying principle of like when you give away control of something, uh, it's scary, like in any context, right? Mm -hmm. And when you then regain control of that, uh, you feel satisfied in a sort of relation to how scary it was. Um, so, like, that applies to the ping-pong ball, but that also applies to a strategy like StarCraft II, where you're kind of throwing the ball by sending your workers to specific resources, and then maybe you catch the ball 20 minutes later when those resources make you win the game. So, mm -hmm. like, to limit it to hand-eye coordination, I think, is a, is a limitation. Uh, it, but, yeah, I, yeah. That, like, yeah. this, this mm -hmm. like, moment of, like, now you cannot go back. Now your control is taken away from you, but you can prepare that moment... Um, if you can prepare that moment like sufficiently, then catching the ball or like seeing your strategy pay off is gonna feel better. And mm. yeah, hmm. but that's yeah. That, that 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 goes to like basically the core of like play or like yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. I I always find like that kind of stuff really like scary. Just like people, you have so many. You know, I don't know if you like sometimes when you go to conventions, there's there's always like this one business guy going to like this is like exactly how to you know control your player make them like your perfect slave and <laughs> if you you know it's like the ultimate dopamine machine you know um mm -hmm. and it's kind of like a, a kind of scary concept for making games yeah kind, you know it's like that had to turn people into money basically but, yeah, but, but you 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 described just that before <clears throat> as your go-to to make yeah, games more fun. Of course, but <laughs> it's because I'm I'm a stupid human being who is like you know if a thing goes squish I'm happy I'll pay an extra dollar you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it works for me. I think AAA games aren't squishy enough anyway. That's true. Yeah, but that's, I feel that's like because 
being squishy is uh, just a lazy version of user interface design or like user experience design. <laughs> yeah, it's just it a cheap version I, I of feel a like highly sophisticated like, craft. Yeah, I feel like juice in general, it's like um, the better like an indie dev you are, like the more juice you have. And then when you're like a really serious studio, like the juice goes down again. And it's like, I, I, you almost never see like a triple A game with screen shake because it's almost like classy not to use it, you know, at that mm. point. No, it's because it's not needed. Uh, screen yeah. Like, okay, so we're, we're getting into self-made theory territory now. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer in a theory that I made up, which is uh, about visual noise, which means that, like, which plugs into the idea that our brain is made up to understand 3D space constantly, all the mm. fucking time. Like every second, um, we're analyzing a lot of like depth information when we're just looking at a tree, for example. Um, and that depth information and that like visual busyness is missing when you're playing a 2D game. So to mm. like make, you have to make stuff artificially messy for this lizard part of the brain to be engaged. Mm. Um, and th that, that falls away when you're making 3D games because you just have that depth possession, uh, perception in there already. Yeah, that's um, true. That, that's definitely like the biggest appeal for me um, to do like 3D games because you can just do like a box in an empty room and it's st it'll still look better than most 2D games, you know? Yeah. yeah. Hey, <laughs> what the fuck, dude? <laughs> I don't know. There's just like something really visceral about like perspective and it's like correct and like yeah. you put a light and the light just is correct. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 in 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 my system. That's uh, I, I call that like visual noise, but it's actually a bad word, probably. Mm. Mm. Yeah, there there is a lot to be said for like three D being much more like inherently like it makes a lot more sense to us than two D. Mm. Um, and so for two D, like the more juice you add, the more like exaggerated everything gets, and the more fun things seem to feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and at the yeah, end, and of I, that, I feel like the, you know, like juice in two D games is kind of approach starting to approach being three D, you know, like parallax and stuff. It's just mm, like yeah. ways to make your two D more like three D, you know. But the, the the important thing is that at the end of the two D screen shake juice road uh, is a slot machine. Like that's the ultimate, uh, <laughs> exactly. the ultimate version of juice is a machine that's designed to steal your money. Yeah, and they, yeah. those people have figured that stuff out. I like, think slot machines don't have enough screen shake, though. Sorry, <laughs> I think slot machines don't have enough screen shake. Have, have you have you played one? <laughs> That's my they, hot take. They shake, they shake a lot actually, and like rumble and like really? stuff. It's pretty. Really? I haven't done much yeah, slot like, machines, so I don't. I, know I, I me me neither. But like, I grew up in a district where there was a big like carnival constantly going on, basically. Mm. And they have like <clears throat> a lot of slot machines and stuff, and I never played them. But when you go buy them, they are like uh, super haptic and responsive, and a lot of them yeah, are about like physical yeah. objects moving through the machine and stuff like that. Yeah. It's very spooky. In a, in Belgium, like um, gambling is really restricted, and there used to be like slot machines and bars, but uh, we don't have we haven't had that in like ten years or something. And uh, when I when I was in London, I, I saw one at a bar, and it was really honestly like distracting like i couldn't pay attention to the like the per person sitting in front of me because like somewhere in the distance there was like a sh slot machine just like yeah. making sounds and flashing and <laughs> it's <laughs> it really plays with your emotions almost it's crazy do you want to know what my answer to my question is um what always makes yes. the games funner when i'm working on them 
it's just literally just adding proper art in, adding final art, like mm-hmm. moving from prototype art to final art. My game always just feels like a thousand times more fun, and I I get like a massive boost of motivation as soon as like a piece of art gets in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's why I always start with the art in my games because then you have that <laughs> motivation before you start working. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've mentioned in videos, I always try to get art in early because it just mm. motivates me to see kind of the final product early on. It's not very fun to work yeah. on a game that's just like a capsule running around. Yeah, but that's, you know? that's, that's how you get to the core of the game. <laughs> I don't understand this approach. I mean, I understand it. it. It feels good to put art in, but like if 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 you are building something that's an abstract system, why make it pretty? Because if you make a good system pretty, it's going to be great. But if you make a bad system pretty you're gonna like accept it uh, in the moment and like I, I not think, look at it i think so that clearly. has to do with kind of like the developer you are and like what you're trying to make because i feel if you're doing um you know i think for me it's not always really that much about the gameplay it's more like how it looks and how it feels mm. and, and stuff yeah and, makes sense you so. know um it i feel like it's you know because there's a lot of like the the science behind like games and like the dopamine machines and whatever and stuff um like i I don't know if that's true for like every game because i mean you have like movies as well which is just like narrative stuff and i I feel like you can do that in games as well i I don't really like believe that every game has to you know be like a gameplay machine you know like a system um sometimes just like a pretty Um... picture and like um, a good enough reason is like enough for a game. Yeah, yeah. I, I I agree. I'm just saying like if if what you're like it's it's the idea of a screenplay, right? Mm. It's the idea of a first version. It's the idea of a sketch. And yeah. If yeah. you like like this is just it's personal taste. Like I'm not saying this is the way to do it, but adding art to something makes it harder to change it. And if it doesn't work in mm. the context of like here's three pretty paintings. And then you realize, oh, the second one is ugly, um, mm-hmm. and you want to switch them around. But you already implemented the art, and all of the like corridors between the paintings are painted and like three D modeled and stuff. Then you can't do that, and you kind of lock yourself in when you put in like production value. So I, I, I'm a, I'm a strong believer in sketches and like scripts and prototypes and stuff like that. I think mm-hmm. it. Uh, I think it also depends on how clear a mental image you have of your game, like. A lot of the time when I'm making games, and actually a lot of the games that I like the most are ones that I have like this clear mental image of before I start working on. Um, mm-hmm. And I think like working to that image and it, building gameplay and art assets at the same time can uh, can avoid some of the issues where you're just like happy with the game because it's uh, be because it's got nice art and even if it doesn't feel great to play but uh i think i think also like i think you're definitely right where if you're if you're just setting out to make a game and you're not quite sure and you want to prototype a bit it's very good not to add art yet Mm. but uh, i think the opposite can be said as well you know like if you do your code first and then you put in the art and then you realize you know like it doesn't make sense aesthetically for that button Mm. to be there or for this mechanic to be you know um, yeah. It might work as like a game and stuff, but if it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't make sense like from a layout, like a graphic design sample, for example, for this to be the way that it is, you know, then you kind of have to go back and then... 
yeah, that doesn't what, work what, either. What what I was um, like, I'm not saying you shouldn't do art tests. I'm just saying you like you, you should you you shouldn't do shit. You can do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> um, the way I I'm trying to approach it is to be like, okay, so this is a gameplay prototype. This is a visual prototype. This is a narrative like system um, script. And then mm. you juggle all of these like pre-production things around and they evolve and evolve, but you don't put them together until you're convinced that each of them is going to work because otherwise you're going to lock yourself into um, directions that will then have like bad implications um, later on. Which brings me to my answer to the question is like the one thing I can do to make a game more fun that I'm working on is to be very, very clear about what I want this game to do. Uh, before I before I type the first like line of code before I like even open my graphics program or whatever, like be like okay so if I'm if I'm doing a ludum dare, before the ludum dare I'm like sitting down I'm, I'm not meditating but it's like okay so what do I want, okay and then I come to the conclusion I want to test this like idea for a story structure, and I also don't want to work a lot so I'm saying okay <laughs> this is what I want, and that means I have to like I set aside one day for ludum dare and not free. Yeah, and yeah. I will just do this, and then it's done, and it 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 does isn't perfect. But because I set those parameters, I can look at the game through my initial goals and not through some soup of ideas where I'm like, yeah. oh, here's like, yeah. so like this like yeah like I'm I'm really like reading up on pre-production stuff. But I guess is... yeah, so, sorry. I guess, I was just gonna say I guess that's very like the idea of like design pillars. When you're making um, games, that there should be like, say, three design pillars that are just core in your mind. Everything you're doing should mm. ideally work towards one of those design pillars. Yeah, but it, it it doesn't even go like it doesn't stop at the stuff that's inside of the game. It's 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 like, oh, I just want to have a nice weekend. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah, one of the yeah. design well, pillars. I mean, like that, it's that, a that production a pillar, pillar right, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So but that's I, that's. That's I that's my magic formula mm. for making games that are mm. maybe not more fun, but that like I don't cry about so much. <laughs> yeah, I see what you mean. Though I, I don't know, I feel like I'm the opposite. Uh, I feel like um, like pre-production kind of takes away the the intuition, you know, of the process. Mm. You know, <laughs> I feel like if you if you if you were like. If you just take the game as it is and you take it one step at a time, you can like discover stuff through your process. You know, and figure out what your game is is going to be by making it. You know, which I think is yeah. more interesting because you kind of tap into your subconscious a bit. You know, and you make stuff that you couldn't possibly like think of. You know. Yeah. Um, but the... And I feel like yeah, I don't know. I feel like if you do like too much pre-production, you're kind of putting yourself in this cage of like your expectations. You know, um, and I don't know. Yeah. It makes it makes sense. Like this, this very. I did this for years. Like this very intuitive thing where I sit down and I start, and then two days later I have something. Mm. Yeah. And I've grown dissatisfied with that. And pre-production doesn't mean that I sit down with like graph paper and a calculator mm -hmm. and calculate mm. like, oh, this game is going to be three point five fun, right? There's a lot yeah. of intuition going on. <laughs> it's it's just. Um, abstracted yeah. it's on yeah. a larger scale from my perspective and that also makes it less personal and less like free form mm. but that's what i'm that's what i'm I'm looking for in my life less yeah. free yeah. form and like more yeah. control I, I guess for me it's i, I do believe in pre-production but not as much in like um like writing stuff down and and planning it out but more like 
um, thinking about it like actively and just like more like meditating on the idea rather than you know yeah. um, planning I, you know. I mean I have here a notebook um, for a project that is very much in pre-production right now and it's just a lot of like insane garbage that I write down while I think I have a good idea and because I write it down, I can then look at it and be like, oh, this is very bad. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's not like I'm sitting down and I'm saying, ah, and then the system will look like this. And then it looks like this. It's it's just a starting off point where I can then, like, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'm, one, I'm, I'm talking yeah, in a circle. Yeah. The one thing I would say against, like, pre-production that I found when I've done a lot of pre-production is that it's it makes it harder to scope down. Because you've in, yeah. in your mind you've had this part of the game that you should probably cut present in the design for much longer than you would have if you'd come up with it on the fly. Mm -hmm. It would be a lot easier to say if if that if that idea was like say two days old, you could you could cut it a lot easier than if it was like a month old. Yeah, true. And I also feel like I don't know every time you you spend like not working on the game is. Kind of lost time. I don't know. That's that's, that's like crazy. writing a document is not a game, you know. And that's I mean, crazy. It, it, I don't know. <laughs> it might be crazy, but it is to me. I don't know. Uh, I, I I see the point. I, I think like game design documents and whatever they're really useful if you're working on something with multiple people as kind of like a communication method or something. But um, except for just like jotting down ideas i don't really see what's the point of using it for yourself <laughs> I, well, I don't know i think it's a waste of time and that's just like my opinion it's a it's a valid opinion um and yeah. i disagree with yeah. it i think uh i think as with all things it's like a balance you have to balance that um having having this clear image in your head of a game versus leaving the space for new things to come up um, and the, the more rigidly you plan out a game, the harder it's going to be to make the game you've planned. So I, I think like my, my approach has become like having, I, I always do the design pillars and I do like goals as well. Um, and then I do a little bit of like gameplay planning, but I try not to plan too much of what's actually going to happen in the game. I wonder if it's actually because because I do um, like formal educating education and stuff for games, and they really start they drill you into like make documents and like design pillars. And I guess I just like kind of hate that they made me do it or something. <laughs> so maybe it's just like me rebelling against my education or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's fair. Well, I, I think we've probably talked a lot on this already. Mm. Um, so we should probably move I, on to like the next question. Unless there's like I'd, any I'd, last points. Yeah, I'd like to hear from Mitsitsitsits about uh, how, how, how you like, uh, how do you plan your project? Because uh, you're also like, oh, sorry. Because you're not only planning projects, you're also like planning videos along with them, I guess, right? Yeah. Um, for me, it's like, I get a cool idea for a game and then it sits in my head for like three years and just kind of evolves because I'm busy working on other stuff. And then it's like, when I can finally work on it, I have like a pretty solid idea of what it's going to be just because it's been kind of baking there whenever I'm just idling around or doing whatever I just think about it. Um, but when I do decide to start working on it, I usually I usually make a sketch. Um, 
I like to have more of a visual thing and maybe I'll make a couple notes, but I don't write up a lot on it because um, it's already in my head really. And then mm-hmm. um, when I work, I, yeah, now that I've been, ever since I got into YouTube, I always like plan my development process around what's going to make a good video, which is kind of a weird way of approaching it. But it's like, I think of like one, what's like one core topic that I could talk about, about this game that would make an interesting video. And then I just work specifically on that and things that are around that. And then it, it gives me like a clear cut set of goals. Like right now I've got like the next three videos planned out for the game I'm working on. And then it's like, okay, so I'll work on this to make that video. Then I'll work on this to make the next video. Then I work on this to make the next video. And it's like, and then at that point I'll have a vertical slice done to the game and I can put out a, a demo or something, mm. which yeah. So it's very it's, weird. It's kind of like, it's sorry. It's kind of like uh, milestones. Yeah. Um, yeah. Almost That's interesting. And it also can evolve based on um, player feedback. Like it's the game I'm working on now has changed a bunch just from because I'll get like tons of I'll make something about a specific thing and I'll mention lots of stuff and then I'll get tons of comments from people who are like, I really like this and I really like and you should add this. And a lot of the ideas are terrible, but some of them are pretty cool. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. I can add that, you know, just like having so many people see it. Um, just brings a lot of ideas and discussion that I think helps it evolve. So I don't know how rigid my ideas are, but um, it definitely opened to changing on suggestions and stuff, which is an interesting new thing compared to before I started doing YouTube. Mm. Have you ever had like um, like a thing where everyone in your comments was saying the exact same thing that you should do and you like totally thought it was the worst idea? <laughs> <laughs> yeah um oh, what was I'm trying to think i mean there's definitely a lot of people hate the name of my game right now and i am thinking of changing it <laughs> um you're sorry you're not or you are i am okay yeah nice it's <laughs> fucking horrible like I, I, i'm and I, I i say this with a lot of love it's really really um yeah hard to remember <laughs> yeah that was what like I, I don't think it's hard to remember though. I, I still not again. I think now, now I'm scared of saying it because I might be misremembering. <laughs> well, yeah. I also well, I think the fact that you released what name. was it? You you release games with like very similar names to it now, which yeah. is is a cool idea. But also now I can't remember whether it's that's the there's that that's they, which one yeah. of those it is. Yeah. Yeah, that that's something I never even thought of. I was just like, yeah, they're different. The, all the names are different. People should remember them. But people don't have case-sensitive memories or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think yeah, of what's... Sorry. Oh, yeah. Were you going to say No, I, I, was, I was just, like, interrupting and being rude about your game names. No. Um, <laughs> when you were... Like, the, the question was... Um, yeah, like, like, how... Like, like building on what Adam has asked, like, how... Is your relationship with like the YouTube comment hive mind? Because the, there, like, there's a lot of like people who have interesting ideas about game design. But how much time do you spend like looking at that and like evaluating it? It, it would kill me. I couldn't do that. <laughs> like, I mean, all I these see, people. I'll see like on my YouTube studio, all the comments come up, and I'll see a bunch of them, and it's just like in my head I automatically filter it into like dumb idea or cool idea and if it's a cool idea I just think like would that make the game like really a lot better like 
for mm-hmm. example, I had this dumb idea that uh, I didn't want to do voice acting for the enemies, right? So I was like, what if they take some drug and that they find that makes them like talk like monkeys? They can't actually talk; they just screech. Then I don't have to do voice acting. And they, I just just put like monkey screeches on them. That would be funny. And then mm-hmm. I mentioned that in the video, and tons of people are like, "You should be able to take it. You should be able to take that." And then also tons of people are like, "It would be really nice if there was like a slow motion mechanic because it looks really fast paced and hard to aim and stuff." So I was like, "Well, all these people want this. What if I did add it in? What if I just made so you could slow down time and you could take this drug and it would slow down time?" So I I tried it out and it was like immediately made the game way funner and i was like okay this is the right thing to do and then i polished it up and made it look really cool and added more stuff and it was more just like yeah it just was like it fit it was the right thing to do you know and so yeah it's sorry follow-up question again is so if you take the drug time slows down and when the time is slowed down that's that makes the game a lot better is that what i understand or there's like restricting it but just like it makes the game a lot cooler like just seeing Mm. your character like stab this needle in the arm and then time slows down and the audio gets distorted and you start shooting and there's like particles flying everywhere in slow motion it just feels really awesome and it's just like it just made the game cooler and i was just like this is the right thing yeah but then like on the contrary another idea people keep suggesting and wanting is that you should be able to change your limbs like you should be able to take your legs off and put somebody else's legs on. But I just think of that and it's like, that's going to be a ton of work. I'd have to make a bunch of new 3d models and Mm. textures for the character. I'd have to add in this whole new mechanical system and it just wouldn't really make the game that much better because it would just like, whoa, to make your, you run a little faster and stuff like that. Like there's already mechanics in place for that. And I think it just detracts from the core idea. And so I'm just like, I'm not doing that. Right. So it would just be too much time investment for not enough reward. Yeah. Well, I, I think we sh- Sorry, I was just going to say, I think we should probably move on to the next question now. Yes. I have, I have, yeah, no, let's, let's talk later. Okay. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, I think it's uh, Wombat's next question. Um, okay. Have you ever considered making a porn game? So I actually made a meme page for game developer memes like five years ago, and that was one of the memes. <laughs> you know, you know the cat looking at the newspaper like I should buy a boat. It yep. was it was that, but it's like I should make a porn game, and then I put like as the caption, I was like, I put a link to like the top paid Patreon projects, and all the games were porn <laughs> games, and I was like, look yeah. at this, <laughs> like I could make so much money. Yeah, I mean, it's very clearly a very profitable market to go into. But at the same time, like, do you really want your game development time to be put into that? Hmm. I think it's also like Unless... a, a dangerous market, you know. It's yeah. I don't know. You kind of have to hide it from some people if you do it, and the fact that you have to hide anything is probably going to end up being like a big mess. You know. That's 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 what I think is so fascinating because like. Um, it's kind of like real sex work in the regard of like public perception. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where if 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 you start doing porn games, you're like you. In it's it's an interesting question for me. Like, how much are you participating in like sex work, and how much is that sex work digital? And then if you like sell access to digital bodies of people 
like like th- there's so much weird stuff in that area is really fascinating there's a lot there uh that's really weird with like porn games with like consent i think yeah from yeah. from the little but, bit i've seen there's like the idea of the porn game is that is this fantasy where you don't have to like you you can interact with this uh person who you're attracted to without having to form a relationship in a lot of ways yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's it's like the whoever is in the game is like fuckable and also wants to fuck you right yeah. like that's, yeah. that seems to be yeah. the core premise which is also like how normal porn works like um i think yeah that's true too mm-hmm. so but it, I, I i it 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 is like it is a space where you can kind of like act out your fantasies i think without like attaching your like real body to it so of course the porn is going to be super fucked up like it's it's going to be the darkest like stuff that nobody (laughs) would want to film in real life is going to end up Mm -hmm. in like uh that area but like just just the idea of making like a game that actually tries to like aim for not the like that tries to aim for a personal relationship, that tries to, like, mimic good sex is so fascinating to me. I've been thinking <laughs> about this for, like, literal years. And it's, and it's yeah, it's uh, something I might do at some point hmm. if I'm, like, ready to give up on my uh, public image as a clean, <laughs> nice boy. I would be really interested wow. in seeing that. You could have you. already done it and we wouldn't know. Yeah, I'm the top Patreon this, this guy. This is where you, you announce your, your first <laughs> debut for a game. <laughs> I would be really interested to see like that from you, because I know you're actually like really good at making games, because every time I've seen those in the past, they always just have like the most awkward, boring-ass mechanics, and they're just like really terribly made, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like... I mean, obviously the art is the point in them, but it's just like... You know, could you actually do an effective yeah. game with that goal? Think, you know? think, I think, think there's think, not think, enough think screen of the implications. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry for everyone. There's not enough screen shake in porn games. No. <laughs> think, think of the implications of making, like, gameplay that requires you to use both hands in a porn game. It's it's fascinating, <laughs> right? Because you're, you're like, there's this real-world interaction with your own body that's so... Ah, there's so much have, cool have, shit have there, seen, and I'm um, scared to do it. <laughs> have you seen a chair fucking sim? <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like there was someone who wanted to make a porn game but didn't want to make a porn game, and he just found like the ultimate like mediator. <laughs> That's really weird. Oh my god, I saw that on Tig Source like eight years ago or something. Yeah, it, it released like recently. What? Yeah. <laughs> my answer anyway is that I've not ever really considered making a porn game um, like it's just never appealed to me like even though I know there's a lot of money there and I, I've seen like as you say like the top Patreons and stuff mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm looking at where people are making money in games uh, especially indie games and that's a big market but it's also just like something that I don't have any ideas for, and I don't particularly feel drawn to doing it. But I, I think it's really interesting that I think a lot of people who do make porn games are actually, like, really into it, and I think that's actually kind of cool. Mm. Like, to make something that you're that passionate about. It's, it's, a, it's a kind of secret scene of game developers that, like, we, like we as, like, uh, the indie community do not interact with. 
Yeah. There yeah. is yeah. like this whole group of people who are kind of like looked down upon or kind of like ignored. Like, yeah, just like real life sex workers. I'm not saying it's the same because it isn't, but there are similarities is really, yeah. It's a very interesting design space to me. And I'm, I, I keep thinking about it. Not because I'm that interested in like animating fucking or whatever, but just the, uh, yeah, the implications are wild and very like in, in a way much more direct than like shoot enemy five times. Mm-hmm. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah. I, I think it's also interesting every time I'm like on itch looking for new games to play or whatever. And I'm looking at like the top recent games or whatever. The highest rated games are always the porn games. <laughs> like I think it's true. Yeah. It's it's insane to me. Like I, I look at like top horror games and there's like four porn games in the first row or whatever, you know? Oh, there's horror porn games. <laughs> you Fancy you think enough. people don't <laughs> find monsters hot? People find monsters oh, extremely yeah. hot, I'll have you know. Yeah, like like the the furry stuff, but with like Freddy Krueger or whatever. <laughs> um, I thought it was really interesting the comparison you made to sex work because I've like mentioned that jokingly to friends before. Like, it's like, yeah, you could become, you know, get into webcaming, but I could make porn games <laughs> if it all goes south. That's what we can do. <laughs> and like, yeah. I don't know. It just, yeah, the same way of like, you can't really tell your parents about it, and like. And but also lots of money. Also, it doesn't matter yeah, how old you are or what you look like. It's not going to affect that though. So I guess the new digital space. How is that going to affect sex work? What an interesting you know future we have. Yeah, I mean you just have to think of VTubers and uh, yeah. the implications yeah. are insane. It's all it's all like very. Oh, I'm gonna say the word. Cyberpunk. Yeah, I was thinking that. <laughs> yeah. When I saw it, I was like, oh, it's so cyberpunk. VTubers. So I don't yeah. know if you if you saw the uh, image I just posted in Discord there, but I, it's literally like the, the top-selling hor- game-tagged horror on itch.io. <laughs> the cover of it has like this big titty girl on it. And it's yeah, very clearly or... aiming at that like audience. Zombies the, the, the real horror is her back pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's some pretty uh, pretty tough body horror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just imagining all the yoga she has to do to like stay alive. It's uh, <laughs> grueling. <laughs> all right. So my question. How would you implement health potions in an RPG? Because something I've noticed in lots of RPGs is they give you health potions, but it's kind of sparingly, and then they also give you like a rest mechanic or something where you can heal up outside of combat. So what happens is that players will go into a fight and then they'll be losing, and so instead of taking a health potion and continuing doing the fight, which would be the fun thing to do, they run away, hide, and then rest and heal, and then go back to the fight, which is obviously not as enjoyable to the experience. And so how would you design that to uh, prioritize, make the player do the fun thing and not the not fun thing, right? I think one thing that really helps uh, players actually to use the the health potions is to make it easy for them so like to have a hotkey for it or 
to pause time if they're mm. in their menu so they can take it. Um, but also, at that point, you want to give them lots so they don't have to worry too much about running out. But then, but then, you, they just, then, you, know, you, then you run into the issue where they just health spam. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's really a question if if what you intend the person to do, like in 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 the example where you run home and like sleep and then come back, um, if that works and you want to do it, you just do it. It's not like if you don't want to do it, you use a health potion, right? Like it's a uh, if you're trying to play like economical and like get the highest score and have the most health potions, mm-hmm. um, then that's your own fault that you're trying to do that, in my opinion. Like, if, if it's not fun for you, then why the fuck are you doing it? Because, I mean, I've noticed I do not fun things in games because it seems like the better way to win, right? It seems like I get yeah. in this mindset where, like, I need to do this. I need to do all these side quests. I need to do this, whatever, just because that's going to make it easier to win. That's going to give me the completionist status. But it's not fun for me to do those things. And, like, I, I don't know. I've heard in reviews and stuff where they'll talk about... I just feel like to win, I need to do this not fun thing. And so it's like, um, I don't know. It's like game mechanics that encourage people to not do the fun thing. And so mm-hmm. this is kind of the most obvious thing I could think of. It's like you get consumables and then you don't use them because they're rare or you just don't feel encouraged to use them or something because you have an alternative that's not as fun, but it's it's unlimited or something like that. Um, I, I, th- I think the funnest thing to do is probably just make it easy to get the health potions and have lots of them because obviously people will probably like it more if the game is easy <laughs> but um i mean look at like breath of the wild where you can just like, you can get food very easily and you can eat it at any time like just as you're about to die you can just eat food and people love that game so obviously it's i don't know it doesn't seem like a bad choice to me <laughs> uh one thing you can do is uh if you go home and rest that could just heal you, okay? But if you have health potions, you can give them buffs. You can have every health potion have, like, a little buff to just, mm-hmm. like, improve yourself after you take that as well. Um, then... And I, I think that's a, that's a way in which you can encourage people to use health potions and also make it so that if they need to use health potions, if the challenge is that big, they get a little boost of uh, health to beat the challenge. But then they might feel like, I need to save these for a boss fight or something. Or something actually special, not just a regular fight. Well, then then, then again, like, that that uh, that works in tandem with, like, making, making them easy to get. But maybe, uh, maybe limiting your carry capacity, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's like how, how the health potions, like, are implemented should not be determined by the health potions themselves but by the larger systems that they interact with mm-hmm. so in in skyrim like you have these health potions that weigh almost nothing and you can also just eat food right like from the menu so you can mm-hmm. always kind of get yourself back up but it's much more uh efficient to like heal yourself with spells mm-hmm. so they have a health system like a healing system that's basically do whatever you want, and the only thing that can really, like, really, really kill you is something that does a lot of damage in one hit. Mm. Um, so, they have that system, I suspect, like, I cannot uh, say with confidence, but they have that system because Skyrim is not really about, like, 
managing your health. It's about yeah. going around yeah. and exploring stuff. And Breath of yeah. the Wild yeah. is the same. It's not it's about like having enough health points. They don't care. Like you shouldn't die because you like forgot to cook a, a meat or something. Um, whereas in Gothic Two, which is I think the best like RPG ever. Um, you can sleep to heal yourself and you can't carry health potions but to drink the health potion you have to like open an in-game menu that doesn't pause the game so while you're drinking the health potions monsters can still attack you mm -hmm. um, and you can only sleep in beds and if you're out in some dungeon there's not going to be a bed there so if you want to mm -hmm. like you can you can like and that is why I love the game so much is because it gives you these tools and that it like the way it uses them simulates a real experience which is one where if you decide to go like to this dangerous place what you're going to do is you're going to stock up on health potions mm -hmm. you're going to do that before yeah. you go there because you know you're going to need them because there's not going to be a bed there because you can expect that because this is a simulation of a real physical space so like how to implement the health potion to sum my answer up depends on the like larger experience you want to mm -hmm. facilitate and not on some like generalized idea of fun in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, I think That's I think answer. something that illustrates that really well is uh, I'm gonna be very online game liker here and say uh, Dark Souls and uh, from <laughs> software games like they've they've <laughs> explored a lot of different mechanics around how health works and how your potions interact with that. And how resting interacts with that as well. Um, mm. And I, I think in Dark Souls it's designed so if you've rested you'll always have enough potions to hopefully get you to the next place where you can rest. Whereas in Bloodborne it's all about, it's it's more about digging into the combat and, and getting really aggressive with it and you, you have renewable health potions but you can also regain your health if you lose some um, by attacking. Yeah. And it, it depends, like, you're very right, it depends on what experience you want the player to actually experience. Like, in, in Dark Souls, they kind of encourage that sword and board gameplay where you have your shield and your sword. And in Bloodborne, they encourage you to just have at, have at it and just, like, try and kill the monsters as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, funnily enough, like, I've, I've, I've recently watched a lot of, like, videos about Kingsfield, which is like um, the grand-grandfather of Dark Souls, of the mm. whole series, mm. where their health potion system is basically... Um, you will lose health if you fight an enemy. Like, there's no way around that. And the only way to progress through the game is to look through every room for every little health potion that you can find so that you can have enough health to survive the next encounter. Where it's mm -hmm. not so much about, like, combat skill, but more about, like searching through every little nook and cranny of this space mm -hmm. which is like the gameplay for this game is super boring but yeah. uh, <laughs> <That's just thinking. laughs> it's an it's an it's an interesting idea as well where it's not really that much related to your action in combat but more through your like action outside of combat yeah i've been seeing a mm. what's it half-life alex they apparently they emphasized like exploring to find ammo and health and stuff and apparently mm. that's a lot more fun in VR, so it's actually yeah. like a good mechanic in there. It's, it's they they probably emphasize this because they are using VR and they realized, oh shit, picking up boxes and throwing them around is fun. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, the trailer for the game literally opens with 
moving a box. I mean, oh really? <laughs> they know what they're about. <laughs> I guess uh, the yeah. one system I would mention related to health potions that I liked was. I think it was Bastion and Hyperlight Drifter. The way, and they have a very combat focus, and they have a, they just limit the amount you can carry, right? So it's like you'll find them occasionally, but you can only carry X amount. So it's like mm. it kind of encourages you to use it because if you find another one, you can't hoard them. It's just well, I might as well use it now. And then they also auto use it when you're about to die. So it's just kind of like yeah. this. Um, I don't know. It, it it lends itself to more intense, like just action focused and using whatever you can but like if if i if i bring that system like to a point where i really suck at the game and i survive every encounter with just a few health points left what i'm gonna do is is i'm gonna search around for health potions like i'm gonna like suddenly i have a reason to explore the space Mm -hmm. because i need to or i'll die so then you just have to make sure it's not a pain to explore it's just like okay there's like five boxes here in a couple rooms and it's like really easy to open yeah. them or something break them i mean I'm, I'm 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 currently like designing pre-producing a game that will probably not have health potions but some sort of similar thing and our like the way i imagine the game right now which is not how it has to end up um is that it doesn't have like traditional health points instead you'll have like a state like you'll be sick and if you're sick and you get like five damage, then you'll switch to wounded. But if mm. you're like healthy and you get five damage, nothing happens. Mm. And suddenly, like like health point health potions are an abstracted idea, right? Like they don't exist yeah. in the real world because mm. they are like interacting with an abstracted idea of like health, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. which yeah. is also something that is not just one variable that can go up and down. So I think there's a lot of like I think Far Cry did this with their addiction mechanic, where you like have to like shoot some stuff or something to like um, gain health points as well as like blurry vision or something, like to get rid of the blurry vision. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of exciting stuff to like be like, oh yeah, so I have these bandages, and if I apply them to my healthy leg, nothing happens, right? Like the, the, there's so much cool stuff that you could explore if you went away from the traditional hundred hit points system. Yeah. Mm. But then also again, there's a reason that hundred health points, that hundred hit point system is there because everything else is super complicated and weird to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a very easy concept to grasp for new players. Um, yeah, and it's also like a power fantasy thing where you're like, oh, I'm not a mortal being in a slowly decaying body. I am ninety nine hit points. <laughs> <laughs> it's much, it's much more permanent feeling. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I can't wait to see your next game though. It's gonna be cool. Oh, it's yeah. not gonna be the next game. It's gonna like this. This thing is gonna take a long time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing this game that you release in twenty years time. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> you magnum opus. <laughs> no, I'm 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 actually working on this with the team that uh, I also worked with on Ord. So mm-hmm. like, I'm it's not my game. Like we we're right, working right, with right, a group. Right. So will we move on to the final question then? Yeah. Uh, sure. Uh, it's it's one of mine. Yeah. So, if you had to guess, what will be um, direction of the next new big game genre that everyone then tries to rip off? Like, if we're thinking back, like, oh, there was the MOBA concept, and there was Battle Royale, and Auto Jazz, and then 
the the zombie shooters and the mongas and all of that stuff like what's going to be the next big thing and drinking games drinking <laughs> games yeah because everyone's going to get vaccines and then everyone is going to do like nothing else but you know go out and get drunk so <laughs> so we're, we're, we're gonna do a like ancient egypt revival of uh, game design yeah. <laughs> i mean the current big thing is among us i feel like there's definitely gonna be more games ripping that off right now but if i had to guess yeah, the next I, hmm? uh, I mean we're gonna see among us well among us inspired games yeah, in video game space for the next two years at least there's going to be yeah. an Among Us Fortnite for sure. Among Us Battle Royale. Uh, They're already in Fortnite. Already, yeah. They already what? did that, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Fortnite, Fortnite mothers. Like... Sorry, go, go on, sorry. Yeah. Fortnite got it very quick. What? I don't, yeah. Yeah, I don't play Fortnite. <laughs> um, if no, I had to guess, nor do I. the next thing is going to be probably multiplayer horror, like Phasmophobia style, considering that just blew up. And it's just this tiny indie game by like one person. Dude, this, like, uh, this is this is slightly off topic, but like, what what do Among Us and Phasmophobia and Fall Guys, for that matter, have in common? Like, I I I think I have a very concrete answer that makes a lot of sense, but I'd, I'd be interested to hear other opinions. What do they have in common? Not combat based. Mm-hmm. Multiplayer non-combat. Yeah, that's basically it. Um, I think it's just like stuff you can do in your living room, but then online. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry for framing this as a question because I just want to say my answer. This is a stupid <laughs> move. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, it's because it's it's about sharing physical space with people. Yeah, exactly. And that is what we are all missing. And it's just like hmm. talking about digital space as if it's real is like like when we do a social like interaction, like when we meet up with friends in a bar. That mm. bar is gonna have an effect on how we communicate with each other, how we get For to sure. the bar. Mm. Like, mm. it it feels to me like ninety percent of our communication as humans is about how we will go somewhere to meet who, right? It's yeah. like, oh yeah, no, Mark is late, or like, oh yeah, let's go there, or no, there's bad, whatever. There's like a lot of communication is about physical space, and these games mm. just have that. They're all about that space. So I think the next big trend is gonna like go even deeper into that to like touch even more of our social soul hmm. yeah that makes sense yeah Josh, you, so what you you're saying is that your, like social space game already I, I, uh, what you're the, saying the, is the... that uh, VR chat is back on the rise <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like... gonna be a bunch of horror games about pandemics being trapped inside where people make games <laughs> about their experience in the pandemic yeah yeah, they're they're like, that's gonna be like next year's movie cycle or like game cycle Definitely. or whatever. I, I um, wonder if people will be like nostalgic about this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, af af after they have to play all the drinking games, they'll be like, oh, I wish it was locked down again. <laughs> <laughs> we should we have to see people. Oh. <laughs> well, that'll be because they're hungover and they just do not want to go outside. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> oh, we're doing our 10th party this week. Don't you want to hang out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it would be funny if there was like a pandemic LARP where everyone <laughs> dressed up in pajamas and stayed home. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Sorry, I, I, I sidetracked my own question. <laughs> you have an so answer to your okay. question? You have an idea what the next big thing is? 
That's what uh, Ooh. that's what Wombat was saying, right? Uh, was that the next big thing was going to be like the things that give you spaces to be in and oh right yeah space. yeah. Um, but, but wouldn't you say that's like the current thing? Yeah, the probably the next big thing. Huh? Maybe like uh, I think Elsa the, I think is is gonna make a comeback. That therapy robot. Um, oh, I thought you were talking from the, about from the eighties uh, or whatever. Yeah. Elsa games. <laughs> oh yeah, true. There's a visual novel about that as well. Yeah. The uh, I don't know. Pre- it's, pregnant, it's impossible uh, to say. Uh, cartoon characters. What? The, have you not seen the pregnant <laughs> cartoon character games? No. What? Oh yeah, that's really yeah. Oh, you mean like, like the same breed of like the you know um, the weird like tail like. Just like those weird like care games where you have like uh, Tamagotchi. cartoon characters in really weird fucking situations. <laughs> you mean like you like uh, yeah, like Talking Tom. Yeah. Mm. Like if like if we would have had a, if we would have an answer to that, we would uh, you know we could make some money. That would be yeah. cool. Yeah, we we probably wouldn't say it out loud here on a podcast. <laughs> Oh, I see how it is. So you're all you already know the answers. You're just not saying it. Yeah, we're, so we're all holding back. Steal it. No, I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm just checking. My idea I'm I'm just checking if any of you have figured it out, and if I have to like send my lawyers to sue you before you can even start <laughs> developing. <laughs> I thought of making a phasmophobia clone for fun. It would be different, obviously, but it seems like. It's like an easy multiplayer thing to make because you don't have to do like latency compensation and all that. It's just kind of like make something where your friends hang out and like yeah. do simple tasks, you know. Let, let's 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 make first person Sims and you're the Sim. Like that would be so nice. That <laughs> <laughs> just be real life, but like with extra steps. Yeah, but also like less you, back pain. You you can go out in the game. You can like leave your house. And, oh uh, yeah. You, the ultimate you can, fantasy you is hugging your neighbor. You can hug people in the game, and you can, yeah. uh, you know, hug, you, hug you can simulator. you can get within two meters of someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then I'm again, I'm just describing VR chat again. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if there's like more money in like trying to figure out what the next thing is, rather than like the next thing. Big thing and the next big thing, <laughs> as in just like scamming business people, like oh my research concludes that the next big thing is this. Give me money. The next yeah. big thing <laughs> it's gonna be blockchain, AI, neural network games. Oh, exactly. But like, I am convinced that some company somewhere on this planet is currently like setting up servers and like core gameplay mechanics and stuff in a way that enables them to clone the next big thing extremely quickly. So they can be the first, mm. like, proper clone. I'm 100% sure well, I mean, someone got, happens. like, $10 million to do that. That already happens on mobile a lot, though. Like, there's studios that are just there, basically, to copy games as soon as they can. Yeah. And then the like downtime, I saw I... just doing as much, like, default art as possible. <laughs> oh, so yeah. Really for whatever comes next. I think like it actually happened. Of, uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, this, uh, imagine if all of that like art would be in the public domain in like five years. We could make weird shit. <laughs> it would be cool. 
<laughs> but uh, what what I was gonna say is that like actually recently happened with uh, Kenny's uh, new game, which was being released, or I don't think it was actually oh, yeah. releasing on mobile even, but it was like this uh, the game where you control things with like remote controls, mm-hmm. and where it's just like a very obvious clone on uh, Android or iOS ios very quickly after the idea went public yeah i mentioned that in my io games video too people just will rip off games and try to make like something that looks multiplayer out of it and yeah. get super rich that's like the yeah. whole business of like video it's, it's games basically that's like all they do right search engine develop search like google development where you're like oh this term gets googled a lot this is my game now <laughs> <laughs> What does get searched a lot? Hang on, let's see. Google Trends. Corona. <laughs> corona. Oh, so people want beer. All right. Wait, is Corona beer a thing where you are? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's internationally shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. We got football, American football, World Cup, Taylor Swift, and Kim Kardashian. So if we can make a uh, game that uses all of that, It'd be very popular right now. And then there's also In, Fortnite, Fub, only... and Soba, and Cupcake. So what we're doing mm. is we're having uh, Taylor Swift versus Kim Kardashian and the They're playing uh, football. Fortnite American Football World Cup. <laughs> Cupcakes. World Cupcake. World, World Cupcake. Cupcake. That's, that's... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's, that's called synergy if you combine two search terms into one. <laughs> I don't know. Do we have any more questions? I think that's all. I think that's it. Yeah. We've been going for a while. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for joining. Do you have anything you want to promote, Josh? Yeah. I make games. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for your time. I don't know. Like, uh, whatever. Marketing isn't real. That's what you're by quamp, by quamp, by quamp, by quamp, by quamp, by quamp. Is it quamp or quamp? It's not... how it's pronounced. Yeah, that's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> I but thought you gonna... pronounced like a Q without a U. I thought you would just pronounce it as a K, like comp. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, it's a game on the internet. Like, nobody's going to talk about it in real life. It's cool. <laughs> like, it's, I, 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 I don't know. I in real life. There, there, there's this there's this trend that I like notice strong like the strongest is probably you Mrs. where you make stuff that makes sense if you type it out but if you pronounce it it just is whatever <laughs> like uh-huh. Nif, one one of the OG like tick source developers Niflas also has this where like a lot of his games are unpronounceable <laughs> um, but make a lot of sense like visually when you look at them on the screen that's another interesting thing wait who is this uh, Niflas. Mm-hmm. Made a lot like Ur- Urnog Unlimited again, hard to pronounce. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think people should uh, should oh, check out Wombat's it. game Quamp because yeah. it looks hot. It is uh, cool. something I am probably gonna be actually proud of. I'm really excited nice. to finish it. Like, I, I just got, I think, the second-to-last batch of sound effects, and there's only one single asset missing and only a few levels to redesign. Like, the menu is almost done. It's, wow. It's, oh, nice. Wow. Exciting. Yeah. Exciting. yeah. It's going to make no money on Steam, and then on consoles, <laughs> people are just going to buy it without playing it ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's my business strategy? 
That's how you make games that are just 10 minutes long, right? <laughs> so that yeah. People actually yeah. play I them. Mean, I think you don't get through a certification with something like that, but it is the way uh, to make a lot of games and put them on consoles right now. And that, of course, yeah. is what works. So everyone's flooding consoles, so it's not going to work like, yeah. soon. Yeah, yeah. So I have to be fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember hearing when the Twitch or Switch first opened up for indie devs, everyone just started flooding because there was like our chance, you know, to get in and kind and of works. get like, get our game seen. Yeah, I got. I don't think I can share those numbers, but we released the game on Steam um, like last year, and then we released it on Switch this year, and we sold like in one month like three times as much copies for double the price mm-hmm. um, as we did in that whole year. And like it, it's it's there's really no proportion. So if you're a game developer, get on the Switch, mm-hmm. quick, because uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna run out. It's just so much harder there because well, you have to like if you've designed a mouse for your game, then it's like, now how do I yeah. do it with a joystick or whatever? That that's that's actually why I uh, like that's actually something I consider with all of my games now. It's like, how easy is this to port to consoles? Mm-hmm. And if it uses yeah, a mouse, it yeah. isn't. So it doesn't get made. It's pretty crazy. Right, All I right. guess we'll uh, call it a bat then. Yeah, yeah, I'm there. just rambling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>